offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. What's going on, everyone? My name is Rich, and welcome to Sabbath School University. I've got some great friends with me today, and I want to introduce them to you. Got Tiffany with us. What's going on, Tiffany? Hello. Ashley, how are you today? I'm good. What's going on, John? Hey, Rich. Listen, to get us started, Tiffany, why don't you read scripture for us and pray for us? Sure. I've been reading from Matthew 1:21. It says, He will save his people from their sins. And let's pray. We'll be praying in Spanish today. Padre que estás en los cielos, gracias para este día. Grantanos su espíritu y ayúdanos para estudiar su Biblia hoy. En el nombre de Jesús, amen. 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 Well, guys, uh, this week's lesson, as you know, uh, we're looking at the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament. And just to launch us into our conversation, I have a question. How far back can you trace your family history? Tiffany? Um, about to my great-grandmother okay. and great-grandfather. Both sides of mother? From my mother's side, primarily. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we can trace my family back to a couple different places mm -hmm. um, on one branch back to the 1700s. Okay. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I've been in the 1700s in a book. Um, wow, that's awesome. John. Well, I was going to say, you know, I didn't feel so bad since Tiffany could only go back to great-grandmother because I was right. going to say, oh, well, me too. Yeah. But 1700s. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's, that's really going back. But then we only have one branch that has my grandparents. Okay. So it, it's unevenly balanced. Sure, 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 sure. And, and I can relate with both of those. I can go back as far as my great-grandparents on both sides, but a little further to like a great-great in name only on one side. Um, it's interesting that Matthew begins with a genealogy. That's kind of a big word, which simply means record of the family history. Mm -hmm. What did you guys think of the genealogy in Matthew 1 so far? Well, looking at the genealogy, you know, it was, it was really thorough. I mean, when I think about, you know, when you ask the question, you know, how far back can you go? I think, you know, as, you know, people in my age, we don't necessarily go back as far with our history yeah. as, 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 for instance, my mother. I can call her up and I can ask her, you know, for the family history, and she knows not even just from her side, but my dad's side, yeah. you know, she can trace it far back. So, you know, when I look at what Matthew brings out, I mean, he goes all the way back sure. to, to really help establish, you know, the history of Jesus. And that's, that's really important. Awesome. Awesome. You mentioned he goes all the way back. Um, let's look at Matthew chapter one. And I'm going to ask Ashley to read for us verses one and two, Matthew chapter one, verses one and two. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. So that's all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we find Abraham in Genesis. So if Jesus were in our conversation, I mean, he'd be, even you, Ashley, yeah. turns 17, he'd be like, uh, well, guys, I go, I go way back. Abraham, who's this guy? Well... Abraham, you know, they they considered him the father of, of 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 many nations. So he, in many cases, they believe he's he's where it started. He, you know, although we know that Adam is where it started, and 
and uh, Luke goes back as far as Adam, sure. but for the Jewish culture, they look at they look at Abraham, and so when they see the line traced all the way back to Abraham, they know, oh man, it starts from the beginning. It starts right. from who someone we hold very dear. Wow. Anybody else? Something about Abraham that jumps out. I just recall the story of Abraham and Sarah and how long they had to wait for Isaac. Okay. And then um, seeing the genealogy that follows, just God fulfilling that many generations um, will come from Abraham. Right. And building off of what Tiffany said, the fact that Isaac's named laughter after yeah. the fact that they say that just Sarah laughed, but Abraham laughed too. Right. Um, that was one of the things that that story just jumps out to me as well is that even when you initially doubt what God's going to say, yeah. he comes through and he provides. And it's interesting. I think that if we were to take the story surrounding many of these names in Christ's genealogy, uh, there will be stories connected to the names that also tie in. And one of the things that comes to mind with Abraham and Sarah and Isaac is the whole idea of waiting for a promised son. Mm -hmm. And really believing, is this promised son really going to come? Because now I'm old, I can't do it myself, we can't do it ourselves, is he really going to come? And that alone kind of speaks in principle to the foreshadowing of Christ. Is the promised Messiah going to come? So maybe Matthew, by starting with Abraham, is trying to hint at something. You remember how Abraham and Sarah were waiting for a promised son and they didn't know? Well. Jesus was the same way. We were waiting for him. Many sons have happened between Abraham and him, but he's finally come. He's finally come. And so in, this, in a way, I think Matthew's just trying to let us know that, hey, he fulfills a prophecy that we've been waiting to see happen. And I think another thing that mm -hmm. is very fascinating to me is that he's not, even though Matthew is probably writing to a Jewish audience, sure. he incorporates people that wouldn't necessarily be seen in a genealogy, right. such as in verse 5, okay. you have Rahab mentioned. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when I look at the genealogy and I see the different names, you know, it's a mixture of men and women. And through this list, you see people who have committed sins in their own right. Okay. And, you know, when I look at the entire Bible, everything in it is designed to lead you towards salvation. Right. Even something as simple as, you know, anyone looking at this, they may go looking at face value. It's a genealogy. It's just a lineage. Right. You know? But when you get deeper into it, you realize that there's a plan of salvation in here mm -hmm. that, you know, regardless of what your sin is, man or woman, or, or woman, Jesus came here to save. Sure. And I, I think it's just so, it's mind-blowing because it's like, he, he's, he's it's, it's not just for for one person, right. it's not just for man, it's not just for woman, it's for all of us. Right. When you, it's interesting, when you think of um, Matthew himself, who we know was a tax collector, and tax collectors um, then, and I might say now, <laughs> I agree. are not always the most welcome crowd. No offense to anyone who's a tax collector, um, but especially in um, this biblical history, uh, Matthew was a Jew who was in cahoots with the Romans, um, and it involved money, it involved law, and it was very murky, kind of shady profession. Um, but it's interesting that this person who kind of had a shady past um, now becomes instrumental and one of, is one of the persons who records the gospel. Um, and when we look at John chapter 1, and there's a genealogy there as well. Well, not a genealogy. John kind of starts right with the divinity of Christ. Let's contrast that maybe a little bit between how Matthew starts. What is Matthew trying to say by dealing with all of these humans in Matthew chapter 1? 
Well, off the top of my head, I would just say that it's Matthew's pointing out that Christ is human. Mm. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like you said, John sure. points out that he's God. Sure. But I think it's important that he's equally both. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I enjoy having a Savior who, as Hebrew says, is touched by the feelings of my infirmities. Mm -hmm. um, John, I feel like you were going to say something. Well, you know, speaking with that, mm -hmm. you know, the importance of, of knowing that he's human or, or, or is that he created a model that we can actually reach. Okay. Because if we looked at Jesus as only being God, you know, sometimes it becomes too big for us to really feel like we can, we can match that expectation. Right. And when you look at uh, Romans 2.10, and, and uh, I'm going to read that really quickly because that's actually one of my favorite verses. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So if you looked right. at Jesus as being just God, you know, it's like, I can't, I, I can't get there. Right. But when you look at him as also being human, it's like, oh, man, a person lived this way. Sure. So now I can possibly live that way. And, I mean, that, that changes the perspective. It changes right. the, the dynamic at that point. You know, if I might maybe provide an illustration that has helped me understand the divine human reality of Christ, um, it's actually seeing Shaquille O'Neal for the first time. Now, I'm a <laughs> basketball fan, and maybe you can relate um, as, a, as a sports fan of another profession, but I'm a basketball fan, and I remember I, I, I watched Shaq play on the Lakers and on the Heat and for many years, and the first time I had the opportunity to see him live and in person, I was like, oh my goodness, he's real. He's a human being, very large human being, but he's a human <laughs> being. Yeah. And it was interesting comparing seeing him on television, and that's what I'm going to say is like the divinity of Christ. You know, it's just so much in between me and Shaq. Miles separate us, and only this medium of television enables me to even believe that he's real. Mm -hmm. But when I saw him in person and we shook hands, and what's going on, man? You know, I was like, yo, <laughs> this is a real kind of flesh and blood guy. And I think that that is what we have in the genealogy. Hey, remove the television screen, remove the medium. He's just like you. And I love that that I can relate with that. And I think the first verse um, alludes to what you were saying in terms of Christ being human as well, because it says the son of David, mm -hmm. not the son of God, whereas in John, in the beginning, was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. So. And the genealogy that's in Luke chapter three also starts with God yeah. and Adam. So yeah. it's something that's unique, I think, to Matthew, where it's saying he's human sure. and he's with us. Sure. He, he's one of us. So Tiffany, I'm gonna um, ask you, you brought out something very, very pointed. Son of David. We dealt with a little bit of Abraham and why that might be significant, but why David? What is mentioned or what is meant by this son of David business? Um, well, we know David's history okay. and um, his sons, unfortunately, um, a lot of them did not have a good uh, outcome in their lives, um, but we know that David is after God's own heart, and mm -hmm. so I think... Um, if I'm not, I'm not a Jew, but if, if I were Jew and in that time, um, the son of David would be alarming because of David's history. Sure. And he's not necessarily a, a man that is of perfection. And Christ would come from someone who's not perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe may alarming in terms of me looking as Christ as my, my savior and perfection. Oh, he man. needs to come from someone who's perfect. Right. Um, and so, so, so the fact that he comes from David in the sense of he's human um, is, is awesome. Sure. Because it reminds me of my humanness. And um, I can relate to coming from Christ right. even though I'm human right. and I'm with fault. 
Oh, you make me want to cry. That's <laughs> no serious. It's beautiful. Even just the language, it's alarming. You know that maybe Matthew's intent was, what can I write so that from the very first verse, people are like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. time out, son of who? You know what I mean? Can we get somebody else, like son of Joseph, son of Daniel, mm-hmm. kind of characters whose, at least the record that we have, is pretty intact, but right. son of David. David? <laughs> Are you serious? And Matthew's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I, I was thinking, like, despite the fact that, like, well, because of the fact that mm-hmm. Christ is so connected with us, how does that affect our day-to-day life, that he was like us, but yet... He was so sure. much more than us. How does that affect our everyday life? Like, how do we act every day? Let's talk about it. Well, man, how do we act every day? I mean, it's a simple question, but trying to come up with an answer sometimes escapes you because, you know, you get to a point where you kind of live it every day. You, it, it starts with relationship. I always believe that, that the relationship that you have with Christ, praying, spending time with him, reading scripture, uh, just talking with him, uh, that he'll help you to understand where he wants you to be, what he wants you to do. Um, And then when you look through the Bible and see the example of how he treated people, how he treated others, he never looked down on anyone, no matter what their sin was. You know, you look at the woman that was brought before him and he just basically said, hey, look, if, if, if you don't have any sin, go ahead, throw a stone. Yeah. And, you know, where he could have just been just like the rest of them and said, oh, yeah, you, you, woman, you did something really wrong. Sure. So you or deserve even more everything so you get. Because he was God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, because, you know, the Bible says the wages of sin are death. Sure. And so at that moment, she was deserving of death just like we are. Yeah. But Jesus stepped in and said, no, you know what? You may deserve death, but I'm going to give you life. Right. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Let's go there. Romans chapter 5. Verse 8, familiar passage, but worth revisiting. I think it kind of speaks to what we're talking about with this son of David business. Verse 8 of Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think that out of the many things we remember David for, besides Goliath and many of the war conquests um, and him being a wonderful uh, recording artist, um, <laughs> um, is, you know, the, the big blotch stain of, of 2 Samuel chapter 11, you know, mm-hmm. especially because we don't have a lot of context. We just see him in the first few verses and he's on a roof and then it's like <laughs> down from there. And then as Tiffany said, the sons, and it just gets like, oh, come on, Dave. Um, and the language that Matthew chooses to use, son of David, you know, I think I might be okay if it was like, this is the genealogy of Jesus, you know, friend of David, you know, <laughs> or neighbor of David, you know, or whatever. But son, that's like, that's biology. That's really, really, really close. But Romans 5 verse 8 says, well, I don't wait until people get it together. Which is good because we have a hard time getting it together on our own. We've got to have God to help us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, On Wednesday's lesson, uh, the author quotes um, a scholar, and this is the line that really stood out to me. It says, there is no pattern of righteousness in the lineage of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? Yeah. Like, we're talking about Jesus here, and if there's anyone that I would suggest needs to come from kind of a pristine genealogy (laughs) based on who we know him to be, that's him. But we can't find a consistent pattern of righteousness in his background. You know what? And that goes back to what Romans 2.10 said, mm-hmm. that there's no one righteous. Right. 
it establishes that there's no way if even if Jesus is going to come from human, from yeah. someone who's who's you know, flesh and blood just like we are, they're not going to be righteous. There's just no way. Yeah. Ever since Adam and Eve fell, since the fall of Adam, there's been no one righteous since until Jesus. And yeah. so, you know, it's important to understand that Christ came to absorb all of that, sure. to absorb those those thousands and thousands of years of sin that have just been going on and going on yeah. to give us a, a chance at something different. And I think that that's really important. Um, just thinking about the times with the scribes and the Pharisees, it kind of helps us to um, remember that there's no one who was righteous or perfect uh, before Christ. And so it takes away any of the doubt or fear that people may have had at that time that they mm. needed to achieve this certain level um, in order to be called a, a son of God right. um, or a daughter of God. And so it takes off the pressure of trying to be perfection. And we can't, we can't achieve it without Christ. Right. Yeah, and I think because when you look at the scribes and the Pharisees of that time, they walked around as if they were righteous. Mm. You know, their acts and their actions really made people believe like, oh, well, these people are righteous people. They, they follow all the laws. They do everything that, you know, they're supposed to do. And others who who weren't scribes or Pharisees, I mean, put yourself in there and in, in those individuals' place. And, you know, you can imagine how they would feel, how they were like, well, I could never be like this. I could, you know, I'm, I'm destined to be in sin for the rest cool. of my life while these people are walking around and they're just, they're the perfect image. Yeah. But Jesus comes and says, no, wait, <laughs> they're not the perfect image. Right. <laughs> I'm the perfect image. And if you want to live eternally, you need to follow me. Yeah. And I think of, I like the comment from Desire of Ages, page 19 on Sunday's lesson. It says, by coming to dwell with us, Jesus was to reveal God both to men and to angels. He was the word of God, God's thought made audible. So just it, just wow. with Jesus coming, he had a lot to um, you know prove, yeah. um, not only to us, but to angels um, who knew Christ. And um, so overall, just thinking of why he needed to come, etc. Uh, I'm I'm grateful that the genealogy is as such in Matthew, um, because it just reveals that Christ is the only way to salvation, sure. and he is the only one. It, for me, the genealogy is like blotted out when I see Christ at the end. Right. I don't remember the people before; I just see Christ, and I'm grateful for him being at the end of of it all. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. In terms of this, the application to our practical lives, um, we all in our families have maybe that uncle or aunt or that cousin that's in our gene pool. They're not going anywhere, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> how do we, how can, how can we interact with people, whether they're family or friends, coworkers, classmates, differently based on what we've been studying today? You know, I think first and foremost, treat them with love. Mm -hmm. um, love conquers all things. And so um, we, t I think for me personally, I think for some others, when you have that person in your family who just tries you every time, you know, they, they seem to just get on your last nerve, it's hard to look at them in love all the time. Yeah. You know their family and you know that you've been taught, well, they're family, you've got to love them because they're family, but you have to love them not just because they're family, but because Christ loves them. Sure. And so I think that's where it starts and, and, learn, and learning to really love that person. And then that helps kind of guide your relationship with them. Well, and expanding on that, it's not just your family. Yeah. Christ asks us to do that for everybody. Sure. So it's not just the people in my immediate biological family, those people in the gene pool that we're a little like, uh, about, but it's also the people in our churches, yes. in our communities, people outside of our communities, like globally. Everyone right. is a child of God. And I think you have to remember um, that 
when you say like the community, when I think about homeless people, et cetera, um, it could be any one of us. Right. And we have to remember that each day we have our lives is a gift from God. And um, when I think of my family members who may have a harder time or maybe more hard-headed or harder to reach, um, they are where they are. They don't have to be like me, but I want them to see the love of God and I want them to be saved when Jesus comes as well. And so um, in loving, also um, taking the time to speak to people just to be, to be real, to be genuine. I know for me, a lot of times in my family, it can come across as if I'm better than other people, mm. maybe because right. of my degree or what so have you. Yep. But I've been able to Generally. reach my cousins better, et cetera, because I just say, how's it going? Like, how's life, et cetera? And um, sure. it's not about Tiffany being, you know, this perfect person, which I'm not, but people can, you know, view you that way. So I think it's important to um, keep that in context that we can be where our family members are, but it's only by the grace of God that we are where we are. And so, um, you know, we have a role to play in helping our family members as well. And they can help us too. Yes, yeah, because sometimes we're hard-headed about things that they're not Definitely. and vice versa. Yeah. yeah, and you know what, and it, it, what you said brings me back to what you said about removing the plank in your own eye. And it's like, when you're looking wow. at those other people, you sometimes see them from a, from a kind of jaded point of view. And so until you remove what's holding you back, yes then you can begin to love them. Then you can begin to, to see what they're going through because they may be going through things, they may have gone through life experiences that you don't know anything about. Right. You know, I, I, what makes me think about something like that is something like depression. Right. You don't see it on the outside, but it goes on in the inside. Yeah. And most people don't know how to relate. They don't know how to, how to break through those barriers, but when you're able to deal with yourself and have that relationship with Christ yourself first sure. and, and work things out with him, then you can look at someone else and be able to treat them like Christ would. Right. I think of Paul saying when he was speaking to Timothy and he says, listen, um, here's a trustworthy saying that Christ Jesus was sent to save sinners of whom I am the worst. <laughs> now we're talking about, you know, a guy who the Lord used to write the majority of the New Testament and he identifies himself not just as one of, but the worst kind of sinner. And he might have been using some hyperbole, but I think in his heart of hearts, he says, no, when I, when I take an assessment of my own life in comparison to the life of Christ, I'm the worst, and yet he would use me. You know, that is the grace of Christ, and I think that is the grace that we see in the genealogy of Jesus Christ as presented in Matthew, that we've got a lot of um, persons who have some deep stuff going on in their past. And that's an immediate connection to our own histories. Um, and I'm just glad to know that Jesus still says, hey, I'll take a place in your line. Yeah. But you, and you know what? what? What I wonder is sometimes why would God use people, some people that have done such horrible things in some, in some mm -hmm. cases? For instance, look at, Dave, you know, we talked about David and what he did. Right. Why would he use them to create something so great? Wow. You know, why? Hmm. Because it's not them who's creating it, it's him. Mm -hmm. And so it's just showing the process of how Christ can work in the worst case to bring out the, the best results. Yeah, Romans 8, chapter 28 helps me with it a lot. Um, all things work together, and we know that in all things God works together for the good of them who love the Lord and are the called according to his purposes. Um, real brief little story, my wife and I were uh, traveling a few months ago uh, to Bermuda, and we went to this baking class. And there were all individual ingredients spread on the table. And any one of those in ingredients in isolation would be very unhealthy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's most baking for you. You know, most baking, right? If you just take, yeah, no. But put it all together, mix it up, put some heat on it, and, and it 
something edible comes out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think of the um, story of salvation, the history of salvation, a lot of individual things that in and of themselves, taken in their own light, it's like, okay, you know, this is bad. But somehow he mixes it all together and adds to it the, the heat or the light of his grace and his love. And he says, I'm going to bring something beautiful out of it. And it's going to incorporate my son, Jesus Christ. And I was just thinking that despite knowing all this mm -hmm. and knowing the connection that we have with God and God has with us, that right. we can't be arrogant about it. Right. Uh, people who know God wouldn't be arrogant. Sure. Um, and I know I probably struggle with that too, but yeah. it's something we go for because God's the only person who's right. Right. We're not right all the time. Mm -hmm. oh, cool. Listen, uh, I get excited about talking about Jesus, <laughs> especially with friends. Um, I would like each of you just to maybe share a final thought about this lesson, something that you would like to leave with um, those viewing. When I was in college, I studied German. And my favorite Bible verse is Jeremiah 33, 3, mm -hmm. which says, Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And then I was looking at it in German. And the verb, uh, which is uh, rufa on uh, the way it's used in the verse sure. in Jeremiah 33, 3, uh, it, it's the same word that modern German, at least they told me this in class. I don't yeah. know if it's, you know in actual use, is what people use for phone calls. Wow. And um, I just was struck by that, that God could just like pull out his cell phone and like call me yeah. and you know, he texts me. Right. And that's through scripture, like text and then you know, prayer, we have actual conversations, sure. that kind of thing. So that, that's, that's one of the things that I took from this lesson. Awesome, so. Tiffany. Just remember, um, no matter where you come from, um, no matter what your genealogy may trace back to, if it's the worst or if it's the best, um, Christ is the end result. Yeah. And uh, we should strive to live like him and to be like him. And um, that's just something that, that I'm grateful for in general. Awesome. John? I think my, my thought, it's similar to what Tiffany said, but it's the, it's the fact that no matter who you are, no matter what your history, no matter what you think you may be, salvation is here for you. For you. It's, right. mm. it's here for everyone and it's free. It's mm. not, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't require anything but believing. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you, John. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you, Tiffany. And thank you. We just want you to know that Christ loves you more than you'll ever know. He loves Tiffany, loves Ashley, loves John. He loved Abraham. He loved David. Mm. And he loves you. If you'd like more, please go to www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, dot org. We look forward to seeing you next time. Blessings. <laughs>